Hi, I'm Caroline, a yoga teacher with a special interest in menopause based in Edinburgh. And hi, I'm Dr Claire, a GP with a special interest in menopause based in North London. Together we are the Menopause Sisters and we are here to guide and support you through your menopause journey. Welcome to the Menopause Sisters show. I'm Caroline. I'm here with my sister, Dr. Claire. And today we are really excited to welcome Kate Codrington. And we have invited her actually on the back of her new book, which is out now. She's a, a menstrual and menopause mentor workshop facilitator, writer, podcast, and has been a therapist for nearly 30 years. That's quite a, a list. Um, and <laughs> we wanted to talk to her about her beautiful book, Second Spring, amongst other things and all the work you do and have been doing for quite a while Kate welcome thank you so much thank you for the opportunity to come and chat about menopause <laughs> one of my favorite topics <laughs> firstly I feel like I just want to mention the cover of your beautiful book um, it's a sort of bright pink with a kind of lime green fern and I just thought the fern that unfurling of a fern as we unfurl through these this transition that we're going to begin to talk about but also also just to really say the book is absolutely beautiful it's very different to the many menopause books I've got on my bookshelf and what it felt like was being taken by the hand by a friend and kind of gently walked through and oh. navigated through this kind of forest mm. and I hope that is perhaps maybe what you intended because it just felt like a big hug from a friend yeah yeah i my main aim with my work is to reassure people that they're okay there is so much fear and so much uh anxiety and so much uh people feel that they failed when they get when they have symptoms that you know and that that the options are either taking HRT or they're not exercising properly and they should be eating better. You know, there's this whole kind of horrible, toxic mess of fear that makes us ill, you know. And I, I love that, um, you know, perimenopause in particular is becoming more mainstream. People talk about it. It's a thing. But I notice it still comes. The people talk about it but they, it still comes with this dose of, oh, what about the symptoms? And do you have this symptom and that symptom? And I have all 39 symptoms. And so my, my mission is just to reassure people that they're okay. And by settling the nervous system and coming back into the body and coming back into really stuff that we know about how to look after ourselves already, because we've been around the, on the planet for, for a little while, that we can manage ourselves much better and begin to be able to see what 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 sort of path we want to, we want to take with it. And I think that's the lovely idea about it, Kate, is that it actually many women approach the perimenopause and they are nervous, they are scared, they are oh, I, I, if I've got symptoms, I'm failing. But actually, it's a, what I what I think is really lovely is about how we can reframe the perimenopause and menopause and how we can make it a positive experience and there's so much negativity out there on social media there's so much oh you're going to feel terrible you must take hrt or you must like you say you must just eat a plant-based diet or you must just eat this and that and and actually it is so individual and there's no right way is there absolutely yeah i mean it's it we are the the ways through are unique as we are and often I find what 
works for a while stops working and then you need to look at something else you know and that's just the natural cyclical way that we work and there's no you know there are lots of people i i'm curious what you think women's health is really political isn't it like <laughs> breastfeeding oh my god it's like <laughs> that's, what, that's what's so fascinating why is women's i mean this is a whole other podcast but why is women's health so political when men isn't you know for example oh we can soon be able to get vaginal estrogen over the counter and oh that's that's great and oh so i i did a talk recently about the, the perimenopause and i and my male gp fed back to me oh i don't see many i don't prescribe hrt because i'm a male gp and i said oh i'm sorry i then should i not see many men and prescribe them prostate medication because i'm a female gp it's really interesting isn't it it's that kind of that juxtaposition of why is it so why is it so political why is women's health and it's not just the perimenopause why is everything so political yeah i, I okay i think i think it's i think it's historical mm. we're going off you know just nudge me back on course <laughs> but i think it's historical you know over over centuries we haven't had power yeah. we haven't had we haven't been effect, we haven't been allowed to be effective in the world and we our voices have been silenced and we've been shut down and maybe the only sort of agency we have is over our own bodies yeah i've been listening to um invisible women um recently and i'd put it off for a while because i thought it's going to make me a little bit angry <laughs> and tap into my men rage which doesn't necessarily need to be tapped into at any point um through this transition um and it's a fascinating book around women being invisible historically now there's things like you know the planning of a theater i think the author describes around a toilet space you know and actually they're just given equal square meterage to men and women but actually they haven't contemplated that women might have an elderly relative with them they might have children with them they might have their period and have to change their sanitary towel or tampon or whatever they are using and so suddenly the inequality there is is massive you know and we all know if we've been to the theater or an event or something in a space the interval or the break there's a cue um, and then it goes on to the history and it does touch on on medicine and drugs and pharmaceuticals and yeah it's it, i think kate you've, you've hit the nail on the head perhaps in beginning to embrace our power at this point and there is a louder voice isn't there around perimenopause and i feel like we are the generation that are gonna maybe not be quiet <laughs> and, and, and shout a little bit louder and and hopefully change this for the better for future generations coming back onto onto point perhaps and onto your wonderful book um you know talking I, think about it, I think it is the point that is the point i think that a lot of this the difficulty that we have with our periods ending and the sensitivity that we feel in our 40s is because of misogyny. Mm. And actually in that in that book, Invisible um, Women, there's, there's a, a little section around um, how research or little medical research has, has been done on women. And when it is done on women, it's done, done at a particular phase in their cycle. So the hormones don't disrupt you know, the research too much. And that is absolutely fascinating as well, because actually certain drugs will obviously affect women differently depending mm. on where they are in their cycle. And, and, and the ratios of, of hormones of estrogen progesterone and testosterone so and I, I i agree entirely kate i think i think we 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 live in a less 
a less obviously misogynistic world in that people are trying to be a little bit more aware of it, but it's still very, very, very much there. You only have to look at, you know, a, a paper every day to realise that that's the case. And I think, you know, what I love about sort of your book is actually reframing reframing the kind of rhetoric around the perimenopause and menopause and being able to say, well, actually, this is happening to me. It's personal to me. It's happening to, to you know, half the population, but I can also be in control of it and it doesn't need to be negative and I don't need to be told necessarily what I shouldn't, shouldn't be doing. It's the positive steps you can be making and the positivity around it. So it's a very... It feels like a very, it's like Caroline said, actually, at the beginning, it, it just, it feels like a bit of a hug. It feels like being led through a maze in a way for some women. It, it can feel sort of very difficult to navigate. Yeah. And it, it, in a sense, it should be difficult <laughs> because the, the way I understand, well, the way I understand it is it's, we've, we've become you know, we've been we've become warriors through our thirties, and we're wanting to express ourselves in the world and manifest stuff and break through glass ceilings and you know maybe have kids or you know change the universe and you know all that kind of stuff. And then that's like a summary phase, so that's akin to the our uh, ovulation, our estrogenic high in ovulation, and we can do all this stuff. And then when perimenopause comes, there's this natural inward process. So we, it's more autumnal. So we go into ourselves more and we're more sensitive and we're more permeable. I was just on, a, on one of the groups that I run and people were talking about um, noise sensitivity. Oh my God. They were like, I'm going mad. Am I alone? And it was like, like 50 no's underneath. No, we didn't <laughs> absolutely compare it. But because we don't expect that, you know, because we expect to always be the warrior and always be out there and always be doing it for everybody else. And, you know, typically female overcaring, taking more responsibility than we need to. And we don't know that that, <laughs> we, for some reason, we think that's sustainable. <laughs> no. I'm 50-something, I can't even remember, I'm kind of 57, it's like, how how did I think I could do that? Yeah. I was so deluded. <laughs> I, I was talking to a friend recently and I was just explaining how I'd offloaded a lot of things um, to my husband. I'm married with, uh, with three boys and she found this with absolute revelation. I said, so, well, you know, perimenopause hit me around kind of 40, 41, I'm now 46. And still in perimenopause and um i said well i think it was about 42 and i just handed things over to my husband whether that was the present buying for his family or the um looking after that particular aspect of the household i just did this massive handover um and still to this day he says i think you thought some of that but you didn't actually do it but <laughs> anyway the point is i did do that and i loved how you describe in the book this kind of this possibility of preparing for menopause, perimenopause, you, there is a possibility of becoming aware of this next transition and preparing for it. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, I think, although I was just beginning in the early stages of perimenopause, that was me going, right, I need to, I need to slow down. I want less noise in my life, whether that is the loud noises we hear or just the busyness in my head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, and the, I think that you did, you did well. 
and I, you're a yoga person, right? Yes, I am. So you you will have, uh, you will have been nourishing your relationship with your body and listening carefully. And I think that's, you know, that shows that you were able to notice, ah, I need to delegate some stuff and I need to slow down. And, and that, that arises out of our paying attention to our body. Again, what tends to happen in our culture is we have a sort of binary health illness type attitude. I'm healthy, I'm ill, I'm sick, I have to fix it. <laughs> so so when, when we feel our bodies are tired and you know, I, I, I call it spaghetti, I go, oh, I've got spaghetti arms. <laughs> I can't, you know, you can hear in my voice that it's that slightly whingy child. I'm too tired, I have to. <laughs> we push through that. Yeah. We don't like vulnerability. We're afraid of breaking, you know? And again, it's it, can we can we listen to that? And the uh, perimenopause is very similar in in tone and in feeling tone to our premenstruum, also an autumnal phase, also a less than popular phase in 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 the world. And again, it's it's those those themes of becoming more sensitive, of becoming discerning, of knowing your truth. It's very inconvenient to know your truth. It's we see, we live like it's much easier to brush it all under the carpet, the stuff that's not working. But you see, you see it clearly. And actually, for a lot of women, it's not something they've tuned into before. You know, like like we were saying, they've maybe avoided things or pushed past stuff, whether that's the tiredness or things they just didn't want to deal with or just had these busy go-getting lives, if, that, if that's where they are. And actually beginning to listen and trust your body is, is quite new. It's, it's a new concept for many women. As Claire sees in her GP practice and in the menopause clinic she's part of, that is a new concept, isn't it? It's a, it's, and it's scary. So Claire, how do you bring, nudge your people into a more friendly, cooperative relationship with their bodies? So I think more and more, I mean, what I think what we've learned over the last few years is to certainly as as western doctors is to be more holistic about health in general and i'm probably somebody who is a little bit more on the holistic side than maybe others i tend to have conversations with women that aren't just purely medical so i tend to obviously give them as much medical information as possible but i i'm really really clear that lots of changes can happen from within lots of changes can happen from being kind to ourselves and accepting changes and trying not to try not to fix like you say try not to heal the entire time having a bit of mindfulness about the idea of convalescence and the idea that we might not be able to fix everything but we might need to be on a journey to adapt to changes and those changes might not be take this pill go and lose weight eat this diet and again it's really individual isn't it so it's it's having I think it's having a supportive relationship which is far less paternalistic than perhaps it might have been previously in medicine And, and for me that that's what works so well with perimenopausal and menopausal women. It's being able to be in tune with that with, with uh, for me, it's my patients, but accepting that, you know, HRT isn't the magic bullet necessarily. It's not going to fix everything for everybody. For some women, yes, it works wonders. Don't get me wrong. But for some women, it's not for them. 
and you need to seek alternatives. And and I think that's that's generally where I approach things from. I mean, that's a kind of roundabout way of saying just listen. I just listen to women. I just think you know, you know, you know what you you know what your body needs. And actually, even if you don't, you will eventually come to realise that if you give yourself and allow yourself the time. No, I feel slightly teary. Could you could you please clone yourself? <laughs> We'll have we'll have a Claire everywhere. <laughs> Everyone should have a Claire. <sighs> I think it's really. I think it's. I think that it's. This is that. I'm, I'm going to talk about me. I'm not going to talk about me. I want to talk about you and your book. Okay. <laughs> I know. I'm sneakily. I'm sneakily <laughs> directing. Oh, the I'm very good at this. Um, and that's why I have a podcast. I'm better at asking questions <laughs> than being interviewed. I'm very bad. I was really, really interested in how you help, what help you provide and how you offer that support because part of your book talks about the phases of menopause and it talks about um, being sort of a present and aware and I wondered if you could sort of just give us a bit more information about that and how how that kind of, kind of comes about for you. And, and mm, Sure. Thank you. I Well, it's kind of similar to what you do. I hold space for people to talk and to get in touch with their, their bodies and their needs and what, what's actually going on with them underneath. And, you know, we're talking about body wisdom like it's, you know, it's just that, oh, there it is, my arm tells me I must do something while, you know. But of course, our heads are very busy and our lives are very busy. And it's not always easy to connect because we have grown dissociated from our from ourselves. So what I do is I create a, a safe space, a non-judgmental space, and I use a thing called the medicine circle. And, and this is like a sort of turbocharged guided visualization that takes people into the into their lived seasons of their life. And it's so it's slightly hypnotic, it's meditative, people can get in touch with their, um, with visuals, maybe memories, with sensation in their body, mindful, um, and find their way to understanding what it is they need. So that you, you come with a very clear question or intention. And that's, that's a, um, a technique that I learned from Red School, Alexandra Pope and uh, Shani Hugo Wurlitzer, and they are incredibly ge generous and in I've put it in the book. It's like, <laughs> oh my God. So it's, it's like democratizing. So potentially this can, you know, this is something that you would go to a one-to-one, -one. you know, I, I do one-to-ones, I do groups and retreats and all, all that kind of jazz, but actually it's in the book and it's going out there. And it's just like this revolution of like, it's out there. And I, I'm, you know, I, I'm wildly excited. I'm wildly excited about it because it means that people can, of all ages and all genders, can experience this expansion of summer, this kind of fullness, and then the coming into the quiet and then coming into second spring, which is post-menopause. So they will get in their bodies that expansion and contraction feeling. Mm. And therefore, the trust that this is a, this is a journey, exactly as you said, this is a process of un unfolding, just like the firm. Yeah. What did you ask me? I've forgotten that. <laughs> <laughs> I was rambling off, waving my arms. Well, I, 
I was going to ask you actually there just to expand a little bit more around the seasons, if you don't mm -hmm. mind, Kate, because actually, again, this is quite a new concept for many people. Yeah. Um, and if you haven't been tracking your cycle as such and, and making that connection perhaps with seasons, because it can be really, really helpful, and then continuing that into perimenopause, it is yeah quite a new concept. So maybe you yeah. can tell us yeah, a Yeah, it more. is. Well, it is and it isn't. You know, it's once, once you start to dive into it and think about it, it's always there and it's something we just know intu intuitively. So if, if you're cycling, if you have a menstrual cycle, then your winter would be your period when you're, when you're with your bleed. And that has qualities of, you know, wanting to maybe a bit dreamy, needing to rest, maybe going a bit slower. You might have more access to your intuition, that sort of thing. And then once once your period has stopped, that would be spring. And that it, some people sort of rush out of their period and they're like, ah, brand new bunnies. And they're all, you know, like full of ideas. And it, it has a kind of um, useful, uh, vulnerable quality to it. So it's quite often, you quite often get out and say, I'm going to do this. And then you fall over and run out of energy because you run out, you know, too soon. So it has that kind of brightness. Um, and coming into ovulation, that's, you know, the world's favorite time when uh, we can do all this stuff. We can, you know, multitask and do lots of things and be very kind and nice. Then autumn, of course, the premenstruum, we're coming much more into this more inward focused. So in, if, if you think in summer you're facing outwards, autumn, your attention is more on your inner world. And we, we spoke before about the um, discernment or intolerance, <laughs> as it's also known. But this is like this key tool. It's like, I know I don't want to give you that. I know where my boundaries are. And God, do we need that stuff. You know, it's such useful information. And then you come back into winter again. So what does this look like in our lives? In our lives, spring would be our teens, say. So we're sort of running around finding out who we are. And the summer would be in our 30s sort of thing. And the perimenopause is autumnal. So again, there's that truth-telling and discernment and lack of tolerance that, 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 you, that you've been talking about, Cara, about the men rage, you know. And when I was, I was listening to a woman's hour today, they were talking about how, um, about screaming, that's right. <laughs> they were talking about screaming and how, and there was a woman who'd written a book called Hysteria and about how, again, because our voice, it, we have been, we are not allowed to be angry, really, because it gets judged. It's his, hysteric and hysteria and make, you know, being too much. But out it all comes in the autumn. We find our voices. Um, and the winter, the winter of menopause, it's a bit more like um, you have the same, all the same challenges going on, but you're kind of a bit more settled within yourself. So it's instead of going, oh, I hate this thing and my joints are so sore what do i do it's like oh my joints sore i wonder what i wonder what might help here so there's a kind of a softness and a deepening of a relationship with it with ourselves and if if we can if we can find enough space for ourselves then there's a second spring so that that's what i call the postmenopausal phase the first phase after menopause and it has the same qualities as the first spring so my 
colleagues, my colleagues and I, my friends and I, were sort of out there bumbling, going, oh, God, I'm sure I should know who I am now. And it's not like you have it sorted. You know, it's not like you've suddenly become Mrs. Completely Sorted, organised, make a draw type, kind of, I'm going there kind of person. It's more like the, these themes arise, the themes of what shall I do and who shall I be and what if? And, you know, there's this kind of engagement with the world again, whereas, you know, for the previous five years, I was like, no, close for business. So understanding this seasonal pattern is just really helpful. And you can think about it in terms of, you know, the annual seasons here in the Northern Hemisphere. It's very obvious what needs to happen. And the second spring, that kind of almost coming out of of hibernation i often sometimes describe perimenopause that that time where just sort of disappearing a little bit under a blanket or into a cave just that quiet time that kind of almost hibernation and then gently emerging when you're ready that unfurling of the fern that beautiful fern yeah. on the cover of your book and and having that time to i guess regenerate to ease into this next phase which we don't in this world in this Western society give ourselves, do we, often? Um, it's perhaps something to get through, um, perhaps something to try and fix or mask with yeah. whatever may help or whatever you may read about. Um, and actually taking some time just to allow the process of mm -hmm. transition. It's Isn't... radical though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What is really interesting is is this idea that it is radical, that the idea of perhaps giving yourself some compassion and self-care should for some reason be, you know, what are you doing? You know, you should, like you said, you should, you should by this age have everything mapped out. You should know who you are. You should know what you want. You should know where you want to be. And actually... Who, who has told us that? Who has fed us that? Why is that the case? Why can't we have a bit of self-care? Why can't we have some self-compassion? Why can't we reduce our stress rather than adding to it? You know, stress is such, a, such an inducer of, of, of high cortisol levels and that feeds into bigger self-hatred, you know, feelings and feeds into our perimenopausal and menopausal symptoms so much more. So just having some kindness and being just saying to someone be kind to yourself don't don't allow i mean i know that's easier said than done don't get me wrong because we all do it we all compare ourselves to it one another again we could have a whole another discussion about that but i think there is time to grow isn't there in the perimenopause there's time to 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 be positive as well and i think that's something that really comes across quite strongly in your book, this reframing of the menopause and the perimenopause. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I so agree with you that, I mean, the, the thing that we, that menopause calls us to, most of all calls us to do is to be kind mm. to ourselves, to come into a, a sweeter relationship with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's almost as though the challenges that get thrown up are, you know, are learning opportunities. We're invited to say, okay, Come on, <laughs> what are you gonna do about that? It's like, yeah, okay. Because they, because it's, they kind of get into exactly our core, like our core wounds. It's mm. our core wounds that get called, and that's you know that it depends how you look at it. 
I mean, I'm, I'm trained as a psychotherapist. My thought is always about internal process. That's my interest. You know, that's just, that's just what gets me, floats my boat. So when, when some challenge comes up and I, I think it's interesting to say that I observe it's not, I'm not just talking, uh, you know, classic menopause symptoms. People are bereaved, they lose jobs, they fall over, they become homeless. They, a lot of stuff happens in those years. And I don't mean that that job loss is to do with menopause necessarily, although it often is, I think. That's another, that's another podcast. I'm sure you've done that one. But that, what are you, what are you gonna do with this? You know, are you going to, there's, there's another thing. Are you going to fight it? Are you going to fight the menopause? Are you going to, you know, have that the war on terror? Arr! Are you going to battle with it? Or are you going to soften around it and find out how you can treat yourself better? There are some beautiful quotes throughout your book as well, Kate. The book is peppered with little quotes from people you've worked with, is that right? The friends, acquaintances, people I've worked with, well, some of them were kind enough to say things and in our community, yeah, from our Facebook community. I'm gonna just read one here from oh, Nia. Charting has also been transformative. It's brought me home to a home I never knew I had. I love the autumnal and winter times and this makes me less fearful about perimenopause and menopause. It's also helped me clarify my needs and my self-care so I feel prepared. I do a lot of work with long COVID as well as menopause and it, it, there's, there's an echo there um, in that permission to rest, that permission for kindness towards yourself, that permission for compassion and time actually often, just some time for yourself. And that is about scheduling that time sometimes in your diary because often we're not very good at making that time. But if it's in the diary, then it will happen. And taking rest, taking restoration, taking time to do things that bring you joy. And, and you mentioned Yoga Nidra in the book. There's some Yoga Nidra guides that you can download on your website, which are wonderful, um, and meditation. And for me, that's as a yoga teacher, that's that's the time of healing. That's the time of of transformation, transition, everything, rest. Mm. Yeah, and rest, you know, say, well, have you, how much rest do you get in your life? Could you take a bit more? And people throw their hands up in the air. And I, I, I'm a, I'm a big Nidra fan. I spend, you see that, there's my sofa. That's where you'll, that's where you'll find me most afternoons, <laughs> snoring my head off. I love it. It's been, it's been fantastic for me. Um, but it's not everybody's cup of tea you know how do you do rest rest is something that can just give you a little more space and softness and reduce the cortisol just a bit so it might be sitting on the loo for an extra two minutes at work it might be going out for a cup of tea and just not coming back for a bit longer so you know, it's like it's like a sort of micro version of my dad went to buy a packet of fags and never came back you know <laughs> but it's kind of homeopathic dose of that you know there are all sorts of ways that we can bring more rest that softness into our lives that doesn't necessarily look like lying down on the sofa although i highly recommend yoga nidra as being complete bliss but it might be kickboxing or it might be 
drawing or painting or walking or wandering around. We already know what it is. Sometimes it's reconnecting with something you've, you've lost that connection with or haven't made time for. Perhaps it's, you know, discovering something new and just something joyful, mindful, quiet, calm, you know, to, to give yourself rest, actually. It's, it's whatever, really, that brings rest. And I should probably say, in case those listening, I'm not sure about Yoga Nidra, it's, a, it's like a, a yoga sleep. It's like a sleep, isn't it, really? That's the best way to describe it. And, and like you say, I often practice a Yoga Nidra, 20 minutes, half an hour of lying down at some point during the day. And I just make time for it. I mean, it's not every day, but it's, I know that I will benefit from it. And actually what it does give you as well as space and self-care and kindness and fashion I find it gives me energy mm. you know I find I come out of it feeling energized mm. um, and if that something is knitting or walking or meeting with a friend or like you say coming going for a cup of tea and, and taking that little bit longer and that gives you a bit of time rest contemplative thought perhaps then that's great that's wonderful um, mm. And but finding it, I think, is, is key and making time for it. Yeah. Can I really give it to myself? <laughs> for certainly for primary care, from, from my point of view, it's where things are changing and changing in a positive way. And, and the idea of social prescribing, so the idea of sitting down with the person in front of you and saying, well, look, rest doesn't need to be you going to bed for three hours in the afternoon. Rest for you could be, like you say, I love that idea of just going to the loo and sitting on the loo for another two minutes. Or, you know, for me, I have a, I have a cheeky five minutes lying down on my patient couch in my room and I put on some, some um, chanting music, which just zones me out and gives me five minutes of complete headspace. Um, but I think it's allowing, it, it's, it's sitting down perhaps and giving yourself some time to work out what would be restful for you. And that's hard. I mean, that is hard. And, and we, Caroline and I spoke about this recently, you know, taking away the things that don't give you joy in your life is actually really, really difficult. And incorporating rest into your life can be really hard if you're not used to it. But there are small things that you can do that will allow you to have that growth in your perimenopause and give yourself that space and that time to perhaps reduce your stress levels and, and to think about how you're managing and, and reflect on that. Mm, yeah, and I, I, I'd like to really emphasise what you just said because I think it's really smart that they, it's small stuff. Mm. It's the small stuff that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. A lot of the book is about what tiny, teeny, tiny invisible thing could you do? Because, you know, we think, right, I'm going to have a self-improvement plan. and yeah. you know, But it's the small stuff that we can do, weave into our lives, the extra minute on the loo, lying down on the couch for five minutes, mm. exhaling, that's always good. Yeah, a sort of big exhale, a sigh out is always a good thing. But actually, yeah. I think, just so, like you were saying, Kate, small, that small thing, mm. It's taking away these big changes. You know, I've got to do this. I've got to change my diet and I've got to do this many steps and I've got to do this exercise. And I've, and actually you, it's just, that's exhausting in itself, just thinking about it. <laughs> um, and as you say, these small, these small little things, just a few small things peppered through your week mm -hmm. can bring phenomenal change. And they grow as well, because if, if, if you're creating, if you're creating small kindnesses, as that my as my my partner Leora Luboff, she talks about the small these small kindnesses, and our relationship with ourselves 
improves, then there's room for more. Mm. You know, it grows exponentially. Yeah. It's different. I wanted to bring in moon cycles because there's a, you know, you mentioned that in your book and um, I had a lovely cold water swim on my birthday recently under the full moon, which was quite magical actually. And I'll be really honest, moon cycles something probably newer to me, although, um, you know, I've always kind of been aware of them, partly through teaching yoga, but not something I perhaps followed in depth. And you mentioned that actually you can, you know, you can follow the moon cycles instead of perhaps your menstrual cycle as you're beginning to sort of transition through perimenopause. Can you maybe just expand on that a little bit? Mm, sure. Yes, I'd love to. I think the way to do it is to note your feelings every day and your energy levels through a moon cycle and see what happens <laughs> because some, some people are very strongly affected by the full by the full moon and it can be like a like a, um, an ovulatory summer you know like very wired <laughs> nobody's sleeping ah! you know very full very kind of overwhelmed or people might you know want to be out and being social and but not everyone so as with all this stuff, it's really good to check in and see what, where your energy differs and that you might see a pattern or you might not. The other thing that can influence moon cycles is where the moon was when you were born. So if that was, for me, it's a couple of days before the new moon. And that tends to be the time, if I'm going to be lucky, that's when that's when it happens. That's when I'm a bit I'm a bit more I'm a bit more oof. I'm a bit more um you know, I'm I'm moving my breasts around listeners. It's a very good job you can't see them. It's a great little dance there, Kate. I'm loving that. Little uh, you know, I'm a bit more uh, also or a bit more overwhelmed if I if I haven't been taking care of myself. So that but you would never know that unless you checked the moon to see see what was happening. So that's another thing you can look at. Or an alternative is that you can just decide that you're going to rest when there's a new moon. You could just cross that afternoon, that half hour, that weekend out of your diary and say, that's when I'm going to do exactly what I like. And so you're sort of, instead of it coming from within, you're sort of using an external regulator so that you manage your energy levels. Mm. And yeah, and there's a, there's a secondary magic that if you, by writing it down, you're naming it. Mm. And, you know, as Renee Brown's more recent, most recent book, she's saying, she, <laughs> the premise is basically, if you can name what you're feeling, you make friends with it, you're more comfortable in yourself. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's also that benefit of, uh, and self-acceptance, ultimately. Yeah. And you may even notice sort of, you know, by doing that, you might even notice a pattern in, in how you're feeling. And you talk about a moon cycle. And actually, for many of us, we, we, we don't note our, our symptoms. We don't know how, note how we're feeling, kind of emotionally or physically. And so having an awareness of that can be quite liberating i think um and and, and enlightening and also um talking from a, a western health medicine point of view can be massively important 
people are going to come and see me and, and say, well, this is these are the symptoms or these are the emotions I've been having because there's so there's so much support now around um, the holistic treatment of the perimenopause. And like you say, Kate, you know, this idea of it being stuff in spring and a positive, a positive time, um, and almost like an emergence, isn't it? It's almost like you were saying in, in earlier, that kind of sense that there's a there's a there's a new is a new you. It can be a new you, it can be a good you. It doesn't have to be that scary time. Sorry, that was a ramble, but I really I <laughs> We liked it though. We love the ramble. Rambling's great. I I'm gonna we're gonna begin to sort of, you know, unfortunately have to, to bring our, our our kind of session to an end, but I loved the other, one of the other things that I've put a big red mark against. I mean, not literally, but I noted was the um, the section in uh, Second Spring. You need a party, <laughs> and I really liked that. I was like, I want a party now. I'm always up for a party and a dance. But actually, I really liked this this section here. You know, arriving at the beginning of a whole new cycle is a potent time, um, and this idea of getting there, this achievement, this point in your life needing needing to be celebrated, and for me that. I guess echoed or brought to mind something to look forward to. I loved how it resonated. Yeah, it's so it's so precious because we do, you know, 40, 50, nearly 60. We understand that we are not gonna live forever. We understand our we increasingly understand our mortality and that life is short. It's so short and it's so precious. Oh my god, it's so precious. You know, just getting out of bed in the morning isn't isn't. Miracle. So why would why would we waste the last section of our lives in longing for something that we can't have? Mm. I mean, how very human, you know. <laughs> I've, I've never actually seen a Greek tragedy, but I imagine there's a lot of that, you know, like <laughs> longing for the stuff you can't have. But why would you live your life in that way? It just doesn't make sense. Planning parties is so much fun. Planning your own parties, you know, what would be delight the most delightful thing? Mm -hmm. And there's also there's I think the in parallel with that is the possibility of celebrating your teen self. You know, it's like a bookend. Yeah. You know, well, at 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 the time of our our first period, it's it's we're so vulnerable, and a lot of the our beliefs about what it is to be female, what it is to have a menstrual cycle. All, all those kind of like <laughs> heavy, heavy, heavy stuff, usually negative, unfortunately, um, kind of get imprinted at that time. So it's, again, very potent in perimenopause to look back at that time and look at the sort of beliefs that were set in. And maybe have a party for yourself, you know, have, you know, to, to, to repair whatever was going on at that at that time, to give your teenage self what she would have, what she longed for, what she would have wanted. Mm. I can see your two. Po I can. I, 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 I'm I, just. I, you don't have to disclose anything. I was like, oh, you could have one together. It'd be so much fun. <laughs> I, I love the idea of <laughs> celebrating in general. Look, celebrate, <laughs> celebrate this time. Like, like you say, actually, life is so short celebrate the fact that you have got to this stage celebrate the fact that you've got years ahead of you celebrate whatever it is that you want to celebrate and be kind to yourself and enjoy that pleasure of celebrating let's celebrate let's have a party 
Yeah. I think we. I think that's already in the cards, isn't it? I can see it. I can see the planning going on in the Zoom room as we're recording. <laughs> On that note, we're going to begin to have to, to wind up our conversation. Okay, we often ask our guests just perhaps to, to share some words of wisdom or advice <laughs> oh <dear>. or tips. <laughs> it could be one tip. I, I realise that there's been a theme around compassion and kindness and time, but is, is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Yes, that I would. I, if anybody is listening to this, I would like to remind them that they're doing really well with what they've got. No that we have varying degrees of stress and marginalization and financial pressures and emotional pressures and trauma and all kinds of stuff in our lives. And if you feel like you're failing or not doing it properly, I would challenge that and say you're doing really bloody well. And that if you manage to write that down on a piece of paper and have a look at it or get, I, I sometimes I, I boss my partner, I have particular phrases that I need to hear. And I say, you have to say this. You're doing really well, Kate. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. I know he's just repeating it like a parrot. It's really good. It makes me feel so good. <laughs> And stick that on a fridge. Yeah, <laughs> stick it on the fridge. Yeah. Jump in there and, and um, say that I have a pack of, I have many packs of bright pink, small square post-it notes in my room at work. And I give them out to my patients and I say, on each post-it note, you're going to stick these around the house and you're going to put one positive thing on each post-it note and you're going to stick it around the house. And even if it's on your bedroom door saying, you're great, you're going to have a fantastic day. They each go away with a little pack of post-it notes and um, they can choose the colour, but I just like bright pink because they're so happy making. And I think that's what you, that's, that's exactly it. It's just, is, is knowing and holding that you're enough and it's good and you're good and it's, it, you're doing, you're doing well. <laughs> you're, mm-hmm. doing, you're doing okay. Thank you, Kate Codrington for joining us today thank you that was fun (laughs) it was absolutely wonderful you'd like to know a little bit more about kate her website's katecodrington.co.uk her wonderful book is out now and it really does feel like a hug Mm. on pages um it's a very very gentle beautifully written and not overwhelming book um, and I really do urge urge our listeners to to get a copy um, because I found it just incredibly supportive oh you're very kind thank you 